Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Path to Glory, the Warhammer Underworlds podcast that focuses on competitive gaming, player development, and community growth. This episode was made possible by our patrons. Thank you to everyone who supports us. If you're interested in supporting the podcast monetarily, please check us out at patreon.com slash path to glory. If that's not possible, we still really appreciate the listen. This is Amon Kusro, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jonathan Davis. Hello, hello. What's going on, man? Not much. Uh, we're recording in the afternoon, so I feel like I might be a little bit more awake than normal. <laughs> yeah, for me, I feel like because it's not nighttime, I'm tired. <laughs> so I might not be as awake as I am normally. Oh, okay. I thought I, thought I was the vampire, but... Y- you are, but, <laughs> you know, werewolves and wolves hunt at night, you know, so... Yeah, um, yeah. They're more the apex predator comes out to play when the sun is down. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you've seen the movies. Come on, werewolves only come out at nighttime. That's true. Only when the moon is full, right? Only well, well, depends, right? Because like sometimes when the moon is full, um, it gives them like special abilities, or they have like un, you know, or maybe they're just not. They're more aggressive than usual. Um. <laughs> That's why we don't record episodes on the full moon. If you look at the lunar calendar. We've never done it. <laughs> oh, that's why you're always busy. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I'm always busy. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, but as riveting as an intro as that was, um, <laughs> um, um, we should we should definitely jump into, uh, I guess, why people listen to us, Warhammer Underworlds. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so... I know that there's been some announcements, especially one that you made recently regarding our podcast. So why don't you go ahead and tell everyone about the resurgence of a very fond <laughs> league that people yeah. uh, have played with? Yeah, we are. We've just began uh, begun the accepting of signups for the uh, team league that we're running, the Path to Glory Team League. This will be the early Diarchasm edition. So we expect it to start sometime in December or January. So get a team together and sign up now. Um, I think it'll be a lot of fun to do the league as the new season starts. And then as like new product comes out, Um, I think we're basically, we're going to plan to allow everything as it comes out. Um, So it'll be constantly changing. And uh, I think it'll be a a lot of fun adapting to the meta and like divvying out the new cards and war bands to your team. Yeah, not only that, um, historically, we've had some amazing players uh, oh, yeah. from all over the world join and participate. And I know that many of them have confirmed that they will be doing that again. So uh, if you want to play against some very quality players and some high level games, this is another way for you to improve your game. Yeah, absolutely. So if you want to join, just uh, check out the discord and there's all the sign up forms and rules and everything there. So uh, more the better, you know. Absolutely. And speaking of the Discord, which is a great unintentional segue, (laughs) um, Jonathan and I have been discussing the future of Path to Glory and how we are going to tackle some of the um, challenges that have come our way over over the current year and the next year. And so what we've decided to do is add additional Patreon support as a huge thank you to our supporters. Running two websites and a podcast is a financial commitment. And our patrons really help us alleviate some of that stress. So one of the ways that we're saying thank you is through a segment that we're dubbing the end phase. 
These are going to be bite-sized content that we record after our main episodes. Most of the time, we will discuss content related to the episode we just recorded, but that won't always be the case. Um, this, these, you know, these could be about really anything, but generally, we'll take a closer look at decks we've been playing, card combos we've been enjoying, or anything else that we feel like talking about. Again, this is always going to be Warhammer Underworlds related, um, but we want it to be fun and informative, and just a special thank you and treat to all of the people who are really supporting us and going above and beyond to help us continue to create some awesome content. Yeah, absolutely. Just a little something extra. So we hope you enjoy it. Yes. And so as a result, um, Jonathan, do you want to share with the group what they'll be, um, what we'll be chatting about in the current or our first end phase episode? Uh, yeah, in today's episode, we plan on chatting about our final thoughts on the Beastgrave season and our hopes and dreams going into season four. So that should be nice. Yes, super excited. Super excited to talk about that. And uh, for our Patreon listeners, please let us know what you think about that end phase episode. Um, so that'll be on the Patreon or the Patreon rather. Um, <laughs> so yeah, looking forward to that. Um, now, without that out of the way, I think let's jump to the main episode topic, which we'll, we'll be discussing the Night Vault rotation. Yeah. Good old Night Vault. <laughs> yeah. And Night Vault's really cool because for you, it's 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 kind of like the the time in which you joined the game. Um, and it for me, it was really when I started um, getting really into it. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's there's really not. I think I had about maybe a week or two weeks um, that I played the game that Night Vault wasn't here. So it's very interesting to to think about that. Like I've played with some of these cards for over two years now. Yes, yeah, and it's it's wild because um, I think there was a lot of hype and excitement that came with Night Vault, and the warbands were awesome aesthetically and. Um, I think it was a really, really cool. There's a lot of cool moments associated with Night Vault, magic, uh, Jonathan and I traveling to events, meeting a lot of other people, um, making friends, and also establishing ourselves as community leaders. Um, so for me personally, Night Vault has been my favorite season thus far. Um, and obviously, there is a bit of bias there because um, <laughs> it means so much to us as, as people, but um, especially to me. Um, but, uh, I am, I'm a little sad to see some of these cards go, but I think that is probably overtaken by the excitement of a new war bands, you know, new cards and hopefully new people joining our community. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a little bittersweet to see some of these cards go at the same time. If they stuck around forever, maybe it would get a little boring. So, um, and it'll be interesting to see what replaces them in the future. I definitely agree. It will be interesting. Um, so let's start with um, some of the cards that are leaving. And we thought that the best way to start was actually to go over some of the most commonly played and powerful cards in Night Vault. Yeah. And so we're going to kick some of those things off with the restricted list, which I believe is made up at this point, at this point, at this moment, a majority of Night Vault cards. I think there are a total of uh, almost like 12, 14 cards that are night vault. So I think it would be cool to be, to go through some of these cards, share our thoughts uh, and maybe discuss, you know, 
how strategies could potentially change in the future with some of these exiting the format. So Jonathan, uh, we'll let you go ahead and take the first stab here. Any card or group of cards that you want to talk about first? Yeah, I, I thought maybe I would just read off all of the cards um, so people can have a refresher. Um, so the, the cards that are on the restricted list now that are from the Nightbolt season are Accolade of the Cataphranes, Burst of Speed, Calculated Risk, Combination Strike, Long Strider, Opening Gambit, Sorcerer's Scouring, Warning Shot, Blazing Soul, Pit Trap, Sphere of Akshi, Slumbering Key, Spirit Bond, Sudden Growth, Tome of Offerings, Tome of Vitality, Transfixing Stare, and Well of Power. So that is uh, that are it's quite a few cards. Um, I think you are correct that it's there's more Night Vault cards on the list than there are Beast Grave cards. Um, and man, some of these I think some of these are core um, to certain play styles. Like the game without calculated risk is going to be pretty interesting. I think. Yeah. Well, why don't we start with calculated risk? So you know, super easy card to score. Everybody takes it. Generally, a lot of winning decks in top four, top eight, top 16 decks taking this card. Um, And with that, you know, we see surges that have been historically so easy to score to the point where it could be considered um, a bad thing, right? (laughs) Exiting the game. Yeah, this was kind of the first one that was, or one of the first ones that was like that. Yeah. I, weirdly, it's actually been, I think, eclipsed in some situations by easier cards like uh, Hidden Purpose. Yeah, yeah, and Temporary Victory in some decks. So, uh, yeah, it. Um, but I, what I liked about Calculated Risk is it gave Warbands an easier to score card, but there were mm-hmm. limitations associated with it at the time. Um, and Night Vault, you didn't get to place player lethals. So right. we were quite limited by the boards. So if you were running this deck or this card in your deck, you could only play with certain boards. Yeah, that's true. So um, and so for me, um, there I liked the fact that it was limiting in that aspect. I think when Beastgrave came around, that's when this card was like, you I mean, it was restricted before mm-hmm. that. But at that point, it was like, this is a joke. This is trivial. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. And I, the, I think the only thing that uh, keeps it from being in every single deck now is how good some of the other surges are. And back then we could have five restricted, and now in Beast Grave it's only three. So um, I think that's pretty interesting. I think in general, um, looking at this list, I think some of the one, another one of the big cards that we're going to miss is Tome of Offerings. Yeah. Well, how about we do this? How about we kind of go over some of the... Um, why don't we just go through the list? I mean, we don't have to go spend too much time on them. But sure. let's just run through the list and, um, you know, share some anecdotes and then say if we're going to miss it or not. Um, I think that'd be <laughs> kind of funny. So Yeah, we can do that. Um, let's start with Acolyte. Um, yeah, Acolyte. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that card? <laughs> um, I think I... In general, it's not the play style I like to play. Um. Yeah. It's an interesting style to play against because it's very all or nothing. Uh, I don't think that I'll miss it. I think I'm glad that uh, uh, Davey was able to help us with the ATC <laughs> using the tomes. That's right. But uh, that that that's one of the cards that I probably 
I'm, I'm glad to see it cycle out. I agree. I think that the idea behind stacking upgrades is a novel one. Yeah. Um, I think the practice behind or the execution behind that is is quite um, disagreeable with the, my sentiments and how the game should be played and, and what is fun about this game. Um, and, you know, generally we have the same opinion on a lot of things. Um, it's why we can talk to each other for hours every week. But um, I think some I know we both we both know people who love this type of this card and this play style. And I'm sure they're sad to see it go, but I am not. In fact, <laughs> leave now. <laughs> yeah, and, and I actually don't think that it's been that popular recently. Um, I don't know if it's the most reliable play style um, that there is really right now. So I think the limitation of surges sort of means that your deck can come out a little bit slower. And sometimes you don't want this card um, to come out too early and you can't mulligan it. So uh, if that's your strategy. So um it's it had its time in the sun, I think, but I I don't think that it's been that good in the season. Well, to a certain extent, right? I think that yeah. Rothhorn deck was pretty nuts. Um, oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So there was a Rothhorn uh, deck. I think Profiteers at the beginning of the season used it as well. Yeah, which I didn't like that, but I think Nick <laughs> did really well with that playstyle. And one of the Warhammer Fest, I think it was the January one, where he had gone undefeated all day. Um, I think maybe he was doing objectives, but maybe he had. Oh, was he? I think maybe, maybe it was, um, I think maybe Gora was playing Gora. Yeah. Gora was doing that, which I think he did pretty decent as well. So, yeah. Um, Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, so not missed. Great. (laughs) Uh, this is what the next one is what I know you're going to (laughs) miss. That's a joke. (laughs) Yes. Very much so. So burst of speed, um, and I guess we can cover Longstrider here as well. Yes, we can. We can. And so I think <laughs> Longstrider was the one that came out first. Um, yeah. And so when it first came out, I didn't mind it as much because, yes, it was very easy for one particular smelly troll. But um, I really liked how Guard and Skaven players were trying to make use of it. Um, I think Jeff Osborne at Adepticon had it in his deck and he was scoring it regularly. Because, you know, you can bring the Skavens back. So I really liked that risk-reward. Or not risk, but like, you know, you lose glory, but you gain glory. And you mitigate some of that glory loss because you're playing a Resurrection Warband. Um, what I didn't like is how trivial it was for Molog. Um, right. And then when Longstrider came out, it was a joke. <laughs> uh, yeah. It was an absolute joke. Yeah. Um, Being able to take both of them is silly. Well, the problem is... And to be succinct here, Molog breaks the game by throwing everything you know about activations and glory and movement token or movement and charging charging tokens out the window, and then to further you know reward him for that by um, giving him two glory for doing nothing <laughs> was just really frustrating because of so swingy how swingy he is. So, right. um, yeah, I agree. Uh, as you can tell. Neither of these cards will be missed. <laughs> nope. I know um, Mike. I know Mike's going to miss them, but I won't at all. <laughs> In fact, you know, I, I'm excited I will to be see what Mike is going to play after this. Oh, I'm sure he'll come up with something. But uh, yeah. while Mike will be crying, <laughs> I will be celebrating and jumping on tables. So <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> Will you miss Burst of Speed and Longstrider? No, no, I won't. Um, I don't. I think that it, I just don't think that it makes sense for those cards to exist in a game that where Molog Molog exists. I think otherwise it would be fine. Um, let's go to the next one. It is Combination Strike. I think we could probably talk about Opening Gambit here as well. Um, these are just easy cards, you know. Yeah, I I'm. This is a bittersweet one for me. I think because <laughs> yeah. I loved Combination Strike and Opening Gambit and Nightbolt. Um, but when we got to some of the ridiculous surges that we saw in the Beast Grave, these right. cards became a problem. And they were almost, they were borderline problems in Nightbolt. Um, yeah, they were. Where some people were already saying that they were a little too powerful. And then we get to this environment where, despite the fact that we've limited surges to half your deck, um, the, the way that people were scoring surges and the ease in which it was happening was something we'd never seen before. And so when these hit the restricted list, um, I think I agreed. I, I did agree with that decision, but I also am sad to see them go just because for, for nostalgia reasons, like from a gameplay perspective, they need to go. But right. You know, yeah. for me personally, I just have a lot of fond memories associated with those cards. I agree. Um, the next one we have is Sorcerer's Scouring and uh, I guess Warning Shot is vaguely similar. Um, well, not quite. So, so Sorcerer's Scouring is that um, you score when you kill someone with, with a, a magical spell, yeah. a spell. So um, what are your thoughts? I know you didn't play much. Ma- well, you played Guardians for a while. What are your thoughts on Sorcerer's Scouring? Um, I'm really not even sure why it's on the list, um, nowadays. So I don't think, I don't think anybody really plays it. Um, so I don't think it'll be missed. I don't, I don't think it really sees any play. Yeah. I think Sorcerer's Scouring was a knee jerk reaction for sure. Um, yeah. yeah. I think there was a lot of concern with the level of power that curse breakers had, but, um, and maybe at the time it was, there was some merit behind putting this on the list, but. Yeah, once there was a limitation to how many surges you could take, um, I think that this becomes a much less worth it. Um, and I, I, I guess I think we can move pretty quickly through these. Um, I think warning shots are very similar. I think nowadays it's not worth one of your three slots because it's not an automatic score. Right. And I feel but the that, same way about Sorcerer's Scouring. Well, that's kind of the... Well, it's really funny because like warning shot wouldn't be restricted in beast grave. Um, Probably so I, not. I, yeah. So I think the, the dichotomy between why these cards were put here on the first place and, and the current meta um, is quite, you know, there's quite a contrast, but at the same time, a lot of the decisions that led to these cards being on this list have affected the way that we play the game today. So, yeah, that's true. That's true. If some of these cards were unrestricted, then certain more bands might be better. Um, so that makes sense. Yeah, but I so you so sorcerer scouring. I guess you won't miss it. I mean, I don't think anybody will. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I won't. And warning shot. Uh, yeah, I just don't think anyone's playing it right now. So yeah, I won't miss it either. So yeah. um, blazing soul then. Um, very interesting card. Yeah. Yeah. I think that uh, it's an interesting one because I think that it was restricted um, in order to make Rothgorn and probably Molog and maybe a few others 
but I think those, I think it was probably a Rothkorn reaction. Um, I think it was basically restricted so that it would stop seeing play. And I think it effectively has stopped seeing play. Um, So I don't, I don't know if it'll be missed um, for that reason. Does that make sense? It does. I does. I think, I think the card, I don't think cards like this should have ever been printed personally um, bypassing key mechanics and balance mechanics, which is how, you know, the inspire requirement um, is very dangerous. And we saw the result of that, you know, it was very dangerous to play against someone with Molog or Mm -hmm. Rothkorn or even, you know, like even Farstrider um, to a certain extent, because these fighters are becoming extremely, exceedingly powerful in a very early part of the game, which is not how they were designed. Um, Well, and it's interesting because we used to have inspiration strikes and that was even more powerful. This at least you have to have the glory for, right? <laughs> right, right. And 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 imagine, you know, this is what we're saying about the weaker version of the card. Imagine what the yeah. original card, you know, was. So um I was very happy to see Inspiration Strikes go, and I'm very happy to see Blazing Soul go as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think really when if the game is going to have very large fighters like Molog and like Rothgorn, then uh some thought needs to be put into how powerful specific upgrades are on those fighters. Uh, because they really get so much more out of them. So yes, agreed, agreed, agreed. Sense, but I enjoyed it from time to time. I think uh, when it was a problem, they ended up hitting it, so that's good. And uh, I don't think it'll be missed, though. It's a card that I wouldn't really want to see again. Yeah, I think so. I wouldn't want to see it again either. Um, and I hope they don't make anything like that moving forward. So let's jump to pit trap. Yeah, pit trap. This I, one I, love. I yeah, I do too. Um, but why do you like it? Um, you know, it's not as powerful as some of the some of the other options. Um, I think it is like it's not as good as like Twist the Knife was. It's not as um, it's 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 a good power level, I think, because like Guard counters it now. Um, I would say it's one of those cards that is like exactly worth one restricted slot if you have the right uh, build for it. So I think it probably still sees a little bit of play in some more bands. Um, so I, I just like it. I think it's, I like it in wild hunt. I like it. Uh, I've considered it in other war bands. I think it's good because uh, you know, the fighter that gets the kill doesn't count as getting the kill. So it's balanced in that respect. Um, it's just a good one. It's another card that I think has also been in the game ever since I started playing for the most part, because I think it came out um, in the, Whatever that expansion pack. Echoes of Glory. Echoes of Glory. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's one that I'll miss, maybe just nostalgically as well. <laughs> yeah, I think for me it's more nostalgia than anything. Um, yeah, I really like Snare, but I think Snare is a very more is a more balanced card because of the lack of accessibility. Um, but I can see why Pit Trap was restricted because um, in Jade Spire we kind of played that one shot meta, and then in Night Vault that one shot meta um, continued for as long as we could until some of the big boys came out. So um, this was instrumental in making sure that you could just hit and kill everything. Uh, <laughs> and maybe that wasn't so fun at the time, but it kind of is now, but uh, yeah, I will, I will miss you. Bit trap. Um, <laughs> yeah. But spear of actually is another cool one. I, I really like this card. Um, I think it was really strong. And so I think it's inclusion on the restricted list was, um, was correct. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think, think this is really worthwhile in a spell deck. 
Yeah. Well, it was mostly curse breakers and I think guardians ran it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but when magic kind of got neutered towards the end of night vault, you saw this fall off a lot. Yeah. I mean, I think that hitting actually and hitting some other cards like well of power at the same time and sorcerer's scouring at the same time, um, just kind of reduced magic in general, but uh, also magic hasn't really been that big of a part of beast grave. Um, none of the wizards in beast grave are really that great. Um, and there's only one wizard in those war bands. So, you know, it's, it's hard to go too far into spells. So, uh, but it's a great curse breaker card. I've used it every now and then I've used it in God's Horn hunt or uh, guardians, things like that. So, it's a uh, yeah. I don't know if I'll miss it, but I think it was a cool card. I would I would be really interested to see if it, what had happened if this card was removed off the restricted list during Beast Grave, because um, it would have been nice to see like Grashrak or Carthan, you know, run this card. Um, yeah, that's true. I have run um, uh, Absol's Withering with them, and I think that works pretty well. So I kind of like the the difference between Withering and Axie, and I think. I think one of them needs to be restricted and actually is obviously a little bit better. So, right, right, right. I think I like yep. that about it. Plus the queen could have used it, which is no good. <laughs> right. She doesn't need any help. Yeah. But I will, I will miss that one. Um, slumbering key is another, is the one next on the list. Um, what are your thoughts there? Um, yeah, that's another one that I just don't think we've seen in a long time. I'm not really sure why it's on the list. Um, it's okay, but it's not, you know, cryptic companion or something better you know well i think it was at the time yeah right it was the cryptic companion of the time and so i think the reason that it it made it on the list was because you know you were doing like tomes and keys and Mm -hmm. sitting in the corner and and so i think when that that card was there because of that simply stacking glory um but uh it yeah so i i don't think that the card um is relevant at the time but right. Uh, so spirit bond is another one. Yeah. Um, this one saw quite a lot of relevance relevance rather. Um, when Rippus first came out, mm-hmm. what are your, what are your thoughts there? This is an interesting one. I think that, uh, unrestricted, you see it a lot. And I think that once it's restricted, you have to really think about it. I think maybe Rippus consider it. I think maybe thorns of the briar queen consider it. Um, I think as we've gotten better, objectives and better cards over the season i think it's probably seen less play i wonder this is another one where i wonder if it was unrestricted now how much play would it see when now we have all the other upgrades that we have from arena mortis and like late season beast grave but uh this was a cool one i I enjoyed this one this was in power unbound so it still feels a little bit new um you know even though it's been about a year (laughs) It it has. I, I always liked the card because of the. So I, I I will agree in that it does kind of feel newer, but only because like some of the Night Vault promo cards had like Spirit Bond mm-hmm. or now the Beast Grave promo cards. Mm. Um, so they had like a a card with like Wild Hunt on it with Spirit Bond. So I thought that was cool. But yeah, um, I think that this was a great aggro card, but at, in the night vault era, there was just so many things going for quick surges and fast like kills that this was really strong. Um, and it probably is strong to this day, but uh, I think this would have been nice. I wish you could make a list in which you restricted cards from certain warbands, 
because um, you could restrict this from the queen, but then give it to like Wild Hunt and Grash Rax's spoilers, and they probably would have done better because of it. I think so. Yeah, that's true. That would probably just be very complicated, though. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but I guess Spirit Bond, you will be missed. Uh, yeah, very but, cool design space as well, where it's a powerful buff, but it relies on another fighter staying alive, and you can shut the buff off. It's cool. Yeah, I like counterplay cards a lot, and, and yeah, so that was a cool one. Uh, sudden growth. Oh boy, yeah, that's a classic. <laughs> that that is a classic. Probably also because it was it had its own version in season one with uh, Deathly Fortitude. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't know why they were both in the game at the exact time. But, uh, <laughs> I don't. That was frustrating. I wonder sometimes if they like think about the two seasons together. You know. But, well, I I know they they do now, but I mean maybe in the past it was just so early. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you know we didn't maybe they didn't realize where the game was headed and how successful it would become. Sure. So. Sure. Um, but I I love this card. I mean I think this is. Um, I think I will definitely miss this card. I think the balance of this card is really cool. Uh, the It's worth a restricted slot because it's so much better than Great Fortitude. But the movement restriction is something you have to think about in some war bands, particularly the ones that are already the most durable, which I like a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and weirdly, it's almost better for the war bands with little fighters than the big ones because the big ones a lot of the time can't afford the movement restriction. Whereas like uh, if you put this on the Everhang, suddenly he's really annoying. Um, so I, I'm a, I'm a pretty big fan of this one. I, I think I'll, I'll definitely miss it. I won't. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I liked it because it was good, but I just hated how like higher wound fighters were abusing it. Um, Hmm. And that really turned me off from the card. Uh, I think it. I think it's really useful in an aggressive warband, like when you're stuck in there. Yeah. Um, but I think with this card gone, you'll rely. I mean, a great fortitude is awesome. And then there are some. They're always going to be wound up great cards, right? Um, Probably. But like yeah. seeing sudden growth, deathly fortitude, and then massive bulk, <laughs> all kind of show up around the same time. Yeah, that's to me true. it was just like, oh, to me it was just like, guys, we can do better, <laughs> you know. So. Yeah, I'm not sure why Rothcorn has his own version of this one, but <laughs> yeah, I guess so now I'm, he can only take one. Yeah, I'm glad to see it go personally, yeah. and I think a lot of people are just taking massive bulk because it is the unrestricted. Is it restricted? I don't. I think it's unrestricted. Yeah, it's unrestricted. Yeah, Chuck and Hyde is restricted though, so that that helps a lot. Yeah, and, but, and honestly, on Rothcorn, like. I think you really have to think about whether or not you take sudden growth or even the other one, because having that movement reduced, you know, does have an impact. So I do like that about it. I think that the, the big fighter problem is always going to be a problem in this game, but I think the design space of this card is pretty cool. Agreed. Agreed. The design space is cool. You get a clear con and a clear pro. Um, I have, I, I think, yeah, the big fighter problem is always going to be an issue as long as they keep making them. Um, and, and they shouldn't, but, uh, <laughs> right. I think, uh, the manager's department probably has a uh, more yeah. of a say in that. So, yeah. And yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> so it is what it is, but, uh, yeah, I guess mixed, mixed feelings on sudden growth. Let's jump to Tome of Offerings, which is something that you want to talk about earlier. Yeah. Um, 
I'm going to miss this one, but <laughs> you might not. Well, I'm not because I think that this card was has been one of the biggest problems for the game. I think when Molog came out with this, I think Molog and Tome of Offerings was almost like a speed bump to how fun this game was when it, when they came out. And it, it seemed to me like that was sort of the... And I could be wrong. It seemed to me like the excitement for this game that was really going strong um, up until their release. Um, it seemed like Moloch was just so unfun to play with and Tome of Offerings on him was so powerful that uh, I know locally we had some people uh, lose some interest or it took a while for us to figure it out. It, it just wasn't a fun period for the game. So I think I have uh, some some memories of that. In general, now that it's restricted, it's still amazing for warbands with powerful fighters in a way that I don't love. Um, I think it restricts certain play styles. Like, it's really hard to play um, the skeletons if this card and the strategies that it helps, you know, are doing very well. Um, but it's it's obviously a powerful card. It's one of the most powerful uh, and most popular, I think, restricted cards. Yeah, it's certainly most popular and, and powerful. Um, and it is game-defining and game-swinging. Yeah. Um, I feel like if Molog didn't exist, the the card would still be restricted, but the the negative feelings associated with it maybe wouldn't be so strong. Because I agree, I know a lot of people who left our community when Molog and Tomo Offerings came out, uh, my local community at least. And so yeah, uh, it was just oppressive you know but you know we live and we learn and i think it, it what it appears to be is games workshop is you know recognizing some of those speed bumps and trying to alleviate them and while you can say that hrothkorn certainly was not uh an, you know <laughs> uh the right move i think once we started restricting faction cards i think we're all in a healthy yeah. place now well and it kind of goes back to something that we've said before we think a good restricted list can solve almost any problem that the game has. I think the big problem with, in that situation specifically was that I think it was like three months before we had a restricted list. <laughs> yeah. I think one thing that Games Workshop really needs to get down um, is how quickly they push out restricted lists. I know a lot of people are like, oh, let us play with our cards and stuff. But I mean, if you play any other card game out there, Magic, Yu-Gi-Oh!, um, whatever light seekers like they have got strong restricted lists and they act quickly um magic may act too quickly or too late depending on who you ask but i think i think uh card games in their nature need to be um managed very quickly because you can't change the card once it's out there in the wild like there are physical copies everywhere um and I think there's a difference between letting people play with their miniatures and letting people play with their cards. Um, I agree. Yeah. So, yeah. So. I, th- I think that, I mean, I know personally, there's not like one card in the game that if I thought if it was causing a problem to the larger meta, I wouldn't miss it. You know, that's why some cards have been banned, you know? So, um, well, imagine if tumble offerings had been banned within a week of its release. Do you think anyone would have moaned about it? No, I don't think so. I mean, and if they did, I mean, I think they would, just adapt, you know. I think they changed their tune after a while if they played with the card. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that would be interesting. Like, would Molog have been a problem 
because Moloch is always going to take one restricted slot to take Tome of Offerings. So would he even have been a problem without it? Like that's like maybe probably, but yeah, it's I think Moloch had a lot of factors that made him. Yeah, absolutely. Like the, like the errata number one, which <laughs> right. like reinforced to play him the more powerful way. Yeah. And then long try to burst a sweet Tome of Offerings. Um, yeah. Yeah. But we digress. <laughs> um, so I think again, mixed feelings on Tome of Offerings leaving from, from P. TG, but let's jump to Tomo Vitality. Yeah, and that was one I think that just was probably restricted to nerf the Cataphranes. I don't know if that was ever needed. I don't think it's probably ever seen play afterwards. So I think this will just I don't think we'll miss it because we can't really play it right now. I, I have seen, like, I think I did play an online event where someone was running Tomo oh, Vitality. Okay. But I agree. I think I think there was a, an attempt to tone down the level of the, the alkalite of the cataphranes. Yeah. And I think this was the logical next step after offerings because this gave the best, the best uh, buff aside from the extra glory was an extra wound. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know that for some more bands, I was a little bit sad because it's the only other plus one health. You can take potion of constitution, of course, but it's a little bit different. Um, so uh, I know, like, my Magors was using it for a while, and then I had to take it out, but it's not really a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think, I think just, again, it just goes down to there was, like, a, there was a very large control problem at the time. Yeah, so probably. Probably, like, you know, what are contributing factors? Well, wounds is one of them. Let's remove yeah. ways in which we can do that, so. Exactly. It, it was an auto-include in any Tome deck before, and now you have to at least seriously consider it, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, the next card is Transfixing Stare, and I I know you're a big fan of this card. So um. <laughs> I love this one. Um, it's extremely powerful. So I don't know if I think it's probably a good thing that it's it's going away. But I definitely had a lot of fun with it. Yes, yes. I think I think this one restricted in Beastgrave around the Grimwatch time. I believe so. Yeah, I, I think at that point um, with Rippas and Wild Hunt. Um, being like sort of competitive, this card was just so, so good against them. Um, and it was kind of an auto include in the, with how the objectives work. You know, if you can lock up at the fighter that's about to move on to an objective, then um, that's a good thing too. So I, I think it's worth, it's a, one of those cards that like needs to be restricted, but then once it's restricted, it's only going to be every now and then that somebody finds room for it. Um, but I, I mean, I've played it in, uh, multiple decks, even as recently as like a couple weeks ago, and uh, when you surprise somebody with it, it can be it can be a big deal. Agreed, agreed. Yeah, I the ability to shut down one fighter. Yeah, when they're especially when your opponent's main uh, income is killing you, <laughs> and then not letting them do that. Right, um, and maybe even exerting resources to make it quite apparent that they're going to do that, and then you drop this card was was soul crushing at times <laughs> it really was especially for like scathe who needs to charge to inspire not like as well to just like you know hurt try to kill you and then if you can play this on him in the first round then then he's not even going to be inspired in the second round so it's just devastating yeah agreed agreed let's uh let's go to this last card on the restricted list um from night vault at least one that is probably near and dear to your heart wall of power <laughs> it's got a cool name right <laughs> i thought it's all right yeah um, it's a very powerful card for curse breakers, basically. And I think that's the reason that it was on here, but, uh, and they probably still take it, right? You were, 
Oh, every every list. Yeah. When when um it's the curse breaker text, basically. When harness yeah, exactly. When harness the storm got restricted. Yep. My whole thought process was okay, then you just take well of power, sphere of action, and tome of offerings. Yeah, that's interesting that those three are better than Harness the Storm, which for a while was considered like the very best card in the game. <laughs> yeah, and I, yeah, yeah, I, and and which I, I never agreed with that. I thought it was very easy. Um, yeah, and but I think it was the the effects that were that accumulated around it. Yeah, because you roll the channel, you score glory, and you inspire. Exactly, it was that that power spike all happening at the same time. Yeah, 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 and then also like. Curse Raker being the best wizard we've ever seen thus far. <laughs> Until the Arena Mortis guy came out. <laughs> <laughs> I forget his name, but yeah, that guy is stupid. <laughs> yeah, he uh, really uh, is. Silly, silly, silly. Move over, Storm Daddy. <laughs> yeah, Storm. I don't you know. He is Storm Daddy now. I don't know. He's Storm President, but... Um, <laughs> Well, <laughs> um, yeah, so those are the cards that were on the restricted list, some of the more popular and powerful cards in Night Vault. But we also wanted to go over some of the technical cards yeah. that you may add in your deck to kind of give you an edge or um, maybe shore up some of your weaknesses, reinforce your strengths or counter something that you thought was in the meta or counter the counter. Um, we can go deep in that. But I think I think instead of going all of these one by one, I think it would be really nice to just group them into um you know certain certain uh certain categories so let's start with movement right or or accessibility so we've got Fainway crystal shadowed step and i guess we can throw in shifting reflection there yeah um, these are cards that are transporting you across the board um jonathan are you gonna miss these cards like <laughs> how how integral were these to your list like how fondly do you think about these cards to this day yeah, so I think that this section, the tech cards, are going to be the ones that I think I miss the most because a lot of them do stuff that nothing else really does. Um, Fainway Crystal is such a good card, um, and there's not really anything like it in uh, Beast Grave except maybe like uh, Spectral Wings or, you know, like n- there's nothing exactly like it. There's nothing quite as powerful. Um Shifting Reflection is also a really, really cool card that I sort of feel like we didn't get that much time to play with, but I guess that's just because it came out in Power Unbound. Um, so we really only have had about one season, and it didn't see that much play in Night Balls, I don't think. Um, I'd say another card I would put in this group is probably uh, Commanding Stride. But Yeah, I guess it's more of a push, but I can see that the... Yeah, I guess in theory you are teleporting your fighter above, and and, and, oh, and so, you said it was shadowed step, right? Yeah, yeah, shadowed step is is more of like a movement, is a placement, right? These cards are replacing you, but um, yeah, and uh, these were sort of like um, Night Vault's version of hidden paths in some ways, because um, hidden paths was from season one, um, but I think we're going to miss these a lot, and unless something similar comes out in the future. Yeah, so Fainway Crystal for me was was so cool in night vault. Yeah. Like, I think there was a, there was a challenge in night vault where, you know, people didn't call objective tokens, objective tokens. They called them Fainway portals <laughs> because that's, that's where really the, the use was. And yeah, there were a couple strategies that involved mainly with thorns of the briar queen of holding objectives, but yeah. um, it, 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 it was just such a, like when you played a game in night vault, not only had, did you have to look out for all the random stuff that you're, 
the apparent things that your opponent can do and you can do, but you've also got to say, okay, when's he going to feign my feign way crystal me? And when's he going to hidden paths me? Yeah. Because every deck had those two cards. You just simply didn't build a deck without those two cards. Um, and those, those cards will win you games and Fainway crystal will win you games. I think I got turned off from turn by Fainway crystal a little bit when it started to become so integral to objective scoring. Yeah. And and that was always always a little present in Fane, in, in Night Vault, but it wasn't so oppressive, or not oppressive rather, but apparent. But when Shifting Reflection, which another card you mentioned, started gaining a lot of popularity in Beastgrave, because not only did you score shortcut with it, but you can you know help score you. Um, uh, what's the card where you hold one in your territory and one in the other? Yeah, Swift Capture. Swift Capture. Then that's when I was just like, oh, that's kind of annoying, you know. So. <laughs> Um, I think Fainway Crystal and Shifting Reflection. Uh, I, I I started losing that 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 likeness yeah. for them. Yeah, and so I'm kind of happy that they're going. I, I think Fainway Crystal is still like I still want to hold on to it because the memories are so amazing from Night Vault. Um, and then Shadowed Step. I think I I, I think it's I'm just like meh. <laughs> you know, like I'm not yeah. sad to see you go, but I'm not happy to see you leave either. Yeah, I mean the the reality I think is that normally you just play it to score a shortcut. Um, that was generally the reason that you would play it. Um, now that also shortcuts going away, I don't know if anybody will care. <laughs> um, shifting reflection, yeah. I think was a cool one. I think, I think we will, I think we would like to keep that one if we could. Um, I don't actually No, no. I think that, uh, the interesting thing about Fainway is that it really did have a kind of a history. It was very, very good at nightfall to the point it was been pretty much every deck at the beginning of beast grave. I think the, prevalence of larger warbands that are easy to get to um and that are also blocking the objectives like thorns like grimwatch um we saw a lot less of it i remember there were times that we talked about and i don't even think i need this anymore uh, but i have seen decks like Wormspat and um particularly i worm spat remembrance where they had it in there and it was just devastating when you know a fighter can travel that far that when you weren't expecting it but um I hope we get something like it in the future because I feel like that kind of mobility is good for the game. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think you, you need that sort of like, yeah, I'm here, you know, <laughs> type of, uh, yeah, type of mechanic. And so I, I know a lot of people are going to be crazy, but I think I mentioned this on the last episode, but I want hidden pass back. And so, <laughs> yeah, uh, that was, that was fun. That, that just made it to where you couldn't, you you can't run away. Um, but maybe the objective and the control players are thinking like, <laughs> thank God it's gone, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but let's look at some of the other cards in this list. So let's look at some of the, um, the pushes. So we've got um, commanding stride, two steps forward, quickening greaves. I thought was a good one. We could probably lump duelist speed into here because yeah. Um, and beast grave, it started becoming a way in which you could get onto objectives. Yeah. Um, and, and then counter charge is another really cool uh, move. Um, counter move or counter push so yeah um these i think all these cards are very cool and we've seen them in a lot of really cool winning lists yeah absolutely consistently a lot of these cards together um and so do you think it's because of the prevalence of the objective the importance of objectives in beast grave because i feel like some of these cards weren't as uh apparent or popular in night vault yeah, I, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that objective play was completely different in Night Vault than it is in uh, Beast Grave. Because in Night Vault, it was all about being on the objective in the end phase. And now it's not 
quite as about that. Um, I do think that it took the community a little while to realize how good Quickening Greaves was. Um, I think Quickening Greaves would have been good in Nightfall. I just don't know if uh, as many people had realized it yet. Um, I think now we've realized how good Quickening Greaves is, and it's in a lot of the best objective decks. It's, it, of course, it has even more synergy with things like Cryptic Companion and um, the one for having a quarry hold something. Um, absolute absolute stillness. stillness, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think we'll miss that one quite a bit because it sees a lot of play right now. And uh, it's just a weird one in that it was sort of only around for one season because of the way uh, Power Unbound came in so late. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think I think for me, looking at these cards, like Commanding Stride kind of... Again, I thought it was a really cool card in nature. Um, and I do like it. Yeah. I, I missed it a lot with Stormsire. I, I, I use it a lot with him. Um, yeah. And even it's nice with Scathe, but uh, Molog and Hrothorn again, just really <laughs> uh, upsetting that balance. Yeah, I don't feel like it was ever um, that popular or that oppressive, but uh, it was a favorite of mine, I think. I just liked how it yeah, yeah. I think Two Steps is another interesting one because like no one ever played that card. And then Beastgrave came out and everyone's like, oh, this is really good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Obviously, with the way that Surge objective holding works, two steps forward uh, becomes a lot better. So, And it's weird because like there is a, there's a con to it, but the, the gain was so much that it didn't matter if your opponent got one push. Yeah. And so. you know, sometimes they would be able to use that push to good effect, but sometimes they wouldn't. So, Yeah. Well, I think you would never play it right. where it gave them the, that benefit as, you know, as, as well as you thought. Or they, they thought they might need it. So, but I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of glad that that one's leaving because, <laughs> um, that you know again you know you guys know my thoughts on Be- on Dyerka- or no Beastgrave. So sure, yeah. We don't have to we don't have to get too deep into it. Um, I think Duelist Speed is one of the coolest cards they've made, and I think I think I really liked. Uh, yeah, I really liked it. Um, Countercharge is another interesting one. Yeah, I'm a big that I saw a lot. Yeah, I saw a, a lot of success with Thorns. Mm-hmm. But um, it helps the thing inspire a reaction. You can move a second yeah. ghost in, and not only do you get support, but at least one of them will inspire. So that's cool. Yeah, it's, so it's it's very interesting cards, and and again, some of them are very niche. But generally, I agree. Most of the cards here, I will miss, um, and then some of them not so much. And and I think the last two that I wanted to talk about here is uh, Mirror Move and Earthing Stone. Yeah, um, you want to switch one? Is there a preference, or I guess we can start with. Earthing Stone, because that one's kind of weird, right? Like, yeah. in theory, it sounds really cool, but... It's not a very good card. Um, you know, I think that's pretty safe to say. Um, I think it's a very cool card, and I wish that it was a card that, like, was somehow a little bit better, because I think it's so cool. I've tried to make it work, and I just couldn't. <laughs> but um, it's just really cool. Yeah, yeah. I I know you tried. Uh and for me, it was just like, I'll just kill everybody. Yeah. You know? And then I, <laughs> and, and then I think I, it's really bad that I, you're also trying to hold objectives. Yeah. 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 And, and then I think you had tried and, and I was curious to see what your success was with it. And then when you were just like, yeah, this is not working. I was like, all right, well, I'm not going to look at this card anymore. Yeah. Um, and then, and then the other card is mirror move, which I think is one of my personal favorites. Yeah. Very cool card. Personally, I think this saw a lot of play because of the it blocked uh, trap 
And I think yeah. snare twist the knife. Mm, I think it just blocks trap, trap and snare, which are the same. Yeah. yeah. Which even blocking snare is legit. So sure. Yeah. It's also just good against like distraction. It's good against some of the big pushes that like it's good against commanding stride. Cause then you can push somebody three. It shuts snark down. It's, it's a cool one. It's, it's a cool design space too. Yes, I agree. I agree. I, I, one of my favorites, uh, and I will be sad to see it leave. I think it kind of got eclipsed at some point by the number of distractions that were printed. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. But it was uh, quite popular right at the beginning there. Yeah. I had it in for a while. I, I ran it at uh, LVO, too, I think. so. Yeah, and one of the Wild Hunt decks. Yeah, yeah. Big fan, big fan. Um, okay, so that's some of the tech here. But let's jump to some of those uh, that accuracy, right? Some of those weapons and that accuracy cards that really helped um some of us i know hit more attacks than we should have potion of rage what will we do without it <laughs> well it, i think i think uh we'll just play strength of terror well that's true yeah that's true but we won't we won't have all those experiences where we put the potion of rage on and then completely miss and then get angry <laughs> and then actually <laughs> get into a fit of rage exactly um i i will miss this card yeah this card was one of my favorites in Night Vault and, and for most of Beast Grave, I think, um, until very recently. Um, this card was an aggro player's, one of their core. In fact, not even aggro. It just became a core tool for everyone. Yeah. When you really want that attack to go through, boom, potion. So. Yeah. And the other cards I have in this group are Prize Vendetta, Haymaker, and Inspired Attack, which are all uh, just really nice cards like haymaker that's going to be an interesting one to not have in the repertoire anymore i i you know i was never really a big fan on haymaker it was just my field by fury replacement (laughs) Uh, that makes sense yeah you know but uh i agree all these cards are are big big accuracy cards and you know the hope here is that um we'll get more accuracy in the future yeah but um I think thus far, especially if you're a hunter, you've got a lot of tools. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think it's, I think it probably goes without saying that, you know, obviously these cards have to go away so that more room can be made, you know, for, cause you, you can't just keep making different versions that are worse of Haymaker. You know, we want, we want new and interesting ways for these cards. So it makes sense. We'll just miss them. Cause I think there's probably a lot of big moments that we've had in the last couple of years that involve these cards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, some pivotal plays. Yeah, were, uh, like games were won and lost on the results of dice, uh, dice results with with you know with with the with the help of these cards. So yeah, like how many Grisselweld Haymaker nightmares have you? <laughs> had? Oh god, <laughs> you know, yeah, or in like an inspired attack Grisselweld or Man, yeah Duke or uh, you know like a Thundric with Potion of Rage. Uh, or prize of vendetta queen like it's I know. there's some there's some like eyesores memory there's but uh yeah there's also some really fond ones of of me doing the damage um yeah so you know it just again comes down to what you're into so um i i personally will miss almost all of these cards yeah yeah i'm interested to see what uh other versions of them we have some things in beast grave um like you know, the strength of terror, which 
to me, isn't quite as interesting. I guess the quarry aspect of it um, may. I just feel like it's better to be a quarry now. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's better. You know, hunters are supposed to, like, nail quarries, but, like, nah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I like being a quarry because I can just score additional stuff. It's it's silly. Yeah, I agree. Um, um, let's go into some of the surges that uh, are going to be going away. Yeah. Yeah, again, a lot of these, I'm just looking at this list, Shortcut, Strong Start, Branching Fate, Martyred, Wood Armor, Get the Hands, Scorched Earth, Death from Afar, Overpower, Strange Demise. They're just like, they were like on every, like one of these cards is an almost like, well, it had to be at least in your deck, right? Um, yeah. But you talked about Shortcut earlier and, and you're mentioning like, you know, like a lot of the cards are scored because of Shortcut. And and some of these surges were really good because they were passive. Mm-hmm. And some of these were really good if you happen to draw them at the right time. Um, and so I think shortcut is one that I won't miss I agree. because I think it was, it was just something that was just easy to do. And if you took three, three cards in your deck that could help you score it, you usually scored it. Yeah. I don't think I'll miss uh shortcut. I think I might, I think, I think I'll miss the other ones though. I think strong start and martyr are very cool cards. Well, those cards are interesting, right? Because, you had to have them in your hand. Yeah. Um, and I just, for a while, like I liked one or two of them, but I think it was also because there was a, like, I'll just take as many surges as I can <laughs> in Nightfall, you know? Yeah. But like when the six, six thing showed up, like I think you only saw a couple decks who took those cards. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of people quickly moved away from them because it was like crap. <laughs> Because like with, with back then you could just keep cycling until hopefully you got it. Yeah. But now you can't. You can you can literally get like five end phase cards in a row if your deck just draw, like you know draws poorly. That's true. That's true. I think I just like their design space. Um, I think that they're not like, I mean, compared to some of the cards we have now, they're honestly not very good. But I mean, it's like strong start if you're not playing a uh, hunter warband and you want to try to do aggro, like you kind of have to take it. Um, so I think that's interesting. I. Martyred, I feel like I have a lot of, you know, memories of. So that, that's that been interesting. Yeah, I always thought the card art was weird because Strong Start was like a goblin shooting an arrow and then Martyred was Magor dying. Yeah. Uh, and I always felt like it should have been the other way around. <laughs> like Magor chopping someone and a goblin dying. But Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you know, it's, it makes you think. Um, uh, the next two cards, like what armor and get the hence... These were really cool because they rewarded you for doing doing uh, successfully hitting an opponent with a uh, with a keyword. Yeah, yeah. And what uh, armor was really I popular for a while. Oh, dude, I I loved that card. Um, I still do. Um, I just don't play Profiteers anymore, so I don't really run it. Uh, or Magoras. Yeah. I think they're the two that use it a lot. Yeah, I used it recently, and I was also using the quarry upgrade that made me a that gave me cleave and that was kind of interesting and then like mutating oh, mall yeah. used to help with it a lot too <laughs> which one mutating mall yes yes i ran that in my uh in my deck with profiteers towards the end of night vault as like insurance but it was also one for get the hence because if iron hail dies everyone's like oh they can't score get the hence anymore and i was like no 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 <laughs> I've got the mutating mall. Yeah, I think the uh, skeletons would sometimes run both of these because they have a fighter with each. So I, I thought that was kind of interesting. 
I, I think these are good design space and uh, fun cards. Yeah, and the interesting with Get the Hint is like you couldn't kill the opponent to score it. That's true, yeah. Yeah. So um, Yeah, it was definitely the weaker of the two. Yeah, yeah. So I, I liked it. Um and then this next card is is very interesting, Scorched Earth. Yeah. Um I really liked it in Night Vault, which was ironic because most people didn't. <laughs> and then I disliked it in Beast Grave, which is funny because then people started taking it. Yeah, it, it was interesting when I believe there was no warband except for actually originally there was no warband that could have more than one way to trigger it. And then I think Yulthari's were the first one that could do two. So it was pretty popular for them. But then we got to the point where like now I think almost anybody can do it. Because you've got leave nothing to chance. Right. Uh, so if you also have magic, then you can take two ways. Rothcorn has like three ways to do it. Um, so it's been interesting to see it sort of get much better as time goes on. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I, I think it's a really cool design space, uh, to an extent. Um, and I think some older warbands just had cards that could score it for them, like, uh, Grievers and right. Iron Skulls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They each have but, uh, their own version of leave nothing to chance. Yeah. But I, I'm just like, you know, I think. I think this card had its time in the sun and, and then it had, it saw some lows, it saw some highs. And, you know, I think that's all you can ask for in your career. So. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, Death from afar was a cool one. Uh, and as a quick side note from our last podcast episode, we misspoke on uh, how you can score death from afar because you can score it with spells. Oh yeah. So um, mm-hmm. I was thinking of uh, measure strike. Yeah. Which is the one that sometimes people will try to score with a spell, but it has to be an attack action. So, yeah yeah no worries um you uh yeah we we both should have known better so it, it happened there's so many cards um <laughs> i've just like i've run a whole tournament strategy in with that so i don't know why yeah. uh, i didn't click so um but uh yeah this is a cool one and i think i will miss because all both the warbands i really focused on in night vault took this card yeah and it has a cool restriction like you have to ha- it has to be a ranged attack and you have to be, at, you know, the right uh, or not a range attack, but basically you have to, you have to be three hexes away. Yeah. You have to be three or more hexes, yeah, away. which sometimes can be pretty limiting. Like sometimes you need to be closer. I've definitely had to choose whether to score it or not. Uh, yeah. In some situations. Yeah, absolutely. So. I've had to choose whether to kill someone or just take a risky charge or, yeah. or just, you know what? I don't think I'll score this card this game. So, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I think that was a cool one. Um, I guess uh, the next two are Overpower and Strange Demise, which are just two more spell cards. Um, I, it does seem like there's going to be some real need for support with the magic stuff. Um, I think I think Curse Breakers are going to have a much harder time <laughs> putting a magic deck together. I think anyone trying to play magic is going to have a hard time. Yeah. Um, I think the magic cards were met with a lot of zeal. Um, and, as, and there was some big shifts to the way that they operated. Yeah. But I really like magic because it's never guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was always a chance you could fail. And and while that was very upsetting in, in some pivotal moments, like <laughs> I thought that balanced the mechanic well enough. And, and if you succeeded too well, you could take damage right with two crits. Yeah. So um, I, I, looking back at it, I think maybe I think maybe there were really strong 
for a time. Mm-hmm. But with all of the support leaving, I'm hard pressed to see how any magic centric strategies are going to succeed consistently. Yeah, and it's it's always I think hard to balance if uh, curse breakers are better at it than anybody. I guess my hope would be that if you know there are future war bands that are really good at magic, it has something to do with their faction cards or something like that, rather than just their innate ability to be better at it than everybody. <laughs> yeah, I, I like I, I I like the idea of having more than one wizard per warband. I don't know if every person should be a wizard in your warband. Yeah, but you know if you're running like you know, four, five, six guys. Like, why can't one of them, why can't they be two weak ones or a strong one and a weak one, you know? Sure. The problem with the curse breakers is that they were all magic users and they were all, there were a lot of cards that only required one die. <laughs> and then you could, then there were ways in which you could guarantee those cards, which we, I don't know if we've mentioned some of those, but I think blessing of Vitrix is one of them, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. And all the or like that stuff. stuff. That's just an innate card that helps you guarantee or rig the game, if you will. Right. Uh, and so maybe if channel or whatever. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Like maybe, like I feel like a lot of these cards would have been acceptable had they not come out with some others, right? So well, and a lot of warbands are ma- are balanced by the fact that they only have one wizard. So it would actually be interesting to see what like the Night Vault season would have been like with just no curse breakers in it. Um, you'd have very powerful Yotharis and, you know, eyes of the nine, but, um, cause there were points when curse breakers were like, you know, dominating that those two warbands were actually pretty good. Cause they, they kind of got all the trickle down. Um, yeah, well, guardians were always kind of good. Yeah, they were. Um, I think when magic got neutered, they, they struggled. That's true. Cause they're so fast but- as well as being able to do the magic, but they always still had the weakness of if you can kill Yothari really quick then they kind of fizzle out. So, right. Right. And and that was the thing is like, you can kill the wizard and they not only lose a lot of their yeah. power, but then they are, you know, have cards in their deck that are useless, but with curse breakers, there was always someone who could use them. Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, and, and, and to some extent, some of these cards were also good for ranged attacks. And so profiteers and, you know, while profiteers were really good, then far strategies were pretty good, but <laughs> I guess I guess I've kind of solved that problem now by restricting specific uh, warband cards. So hopefully we won't, uh, you know, experience some of the problems that we've had in the past. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, overpower is just like a headshot, right? Which is arguably one of their best cards. Just roll a crit. Yeah. Um, but again, cool stuff. Cool stuff. Uh, and then the last group of cards. Or actually, not the last. We've got plenty more to go through. Um, but we'll just group them into easy end phase cards. Yeah. Solid gains, fired up, great gains, frugal catching up. Rather than talking about one of these cards individually, like what is your concept on the style of card they are? Yeah. So I think that uh, I think it's interesting because I didn't feel like these were really a problem back when you had to choose between these being pretty easy to score and. Surges being more powerful, but harder to score. Um, but as Beast Grave went through, I feel like these cards, and I guess a part of it's that we really didn't, we were forced to take end phase cards, but there aren't really that many that are worth taking because they're hard to do. These cards, I felt like, became more popular because they were generally scorable, but you can't like stop your opponent from scoring them for the most part. 
So it's kind of boring. Um, so I don't think I'll miss these cards at all. I, I won't either. I, I, I won't. Like, I like Fired Up. That's probably my favorite of them. Fired Up, maybe. Um, it was restricted at one point. Yeah. Um, catching Up is probably the weakest of the or fruit. cards mentioned. And even, and I think, like, I don't care if Catching Up stayed in the game forever because I don't think it's that good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but the like the other cards in this in this in the group, they're they're yeah. I just don't think there's anything wrong with uh, objective cards requiring some sort of condition that you know is like your opponent should be able to stop you from scoring your cards. In my opinion, um, and a lot of these are just very very hard to stop. So I I, I don't think I'll miss them. My hope is that we get yeah. more end phase cards that are better, um, more more robust in that yeah. they can be scored and they can be counterplayed. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I agree. Um, okay. We also have some well, other end phase cards that I think are more interesting um, that are leaving. Yeah, and I, I don't necessarily think it's fair to group these cards either, um, because they all kind of do their own little. Uh, little niche thing here. So like digging deep, right? Like no one ran that in night. <laughs> I know. I didn't even realize it was a night vault card. I don't think. <laughs> oh yeah. But, but like now it's like integral to some strategies. Yeah. It has a lot of synergy with to the end and some of the other card draw stuff. So um, I guess that'll make those strategies a little bit worse, which seems okay to me. Well, I don't like the fact that you like I don't mind drawing cards in this game. Yeah. Right? It's a card game to an extent. Sure. You know, there's a card element. You should be able to draw cards. I don't like the idea of just scoring to draw. Yeah, because you're already getting a benefit from drawing, which is the cards, right? Yeah, regardless if it's card advantage or more options or whatever the hell you want to call it, that's already the hugest the biggest benefit. Why are you getting glory for it? <laughs> yeah. So not sad to see this go. In fact, shoo shoo, digging deep. <laughs> shoo shoo. Uh, I really like this next card. Yeah, me too. Keep chopping. Um, I feel like it was in Nightfall. It was one of those cards where you want to take it, but it's just not. There are just so many better options. Yeah, I could see that. But then when we were forced to take six end phase cards this like quickly became a favorite for anyone trying to play an aggressive game plan. Yeah. And I think it was uh, a nice glory boost for some of the larger aggro war bands like Godsworn hunt or uh, wild hunt. Um, I think people have taken in and gets, so it's, uh, it's just kind of cool, but it, it, it's a cool design space because there, if you've ever played it, there's a lot of situations where like, Sometimes you can't get that fourth attack in or you have to choose between the fourth attack and something else. Or if you know the enemy has it, you can sort of force them to not be able to make that attack or it can mess up target priority. So it has a lot of... Even telegraphing. Yeah. Even telegraphing some attacks, like why are you shooting with your goblin? Exactly, yeah. Or like why is all thing taking a shot mm-hmm. um, when you know you could have swung at me or charged with me someone else? So um, I thought... I, I liked it. Yeah. I think it was as for a card that just in theory isn't very like cerebral. You're just like trying to attack people. The way you score and deny someone scoring this card was quite cerebral. 
Yeah, I think so. I think that's probably what made it my one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. Um, the next one is Loner. <laughs> yeah, poor Loner. Uh, <laughs> how we all feel during quarantine. <laughs> right. You know, when we when we did a quarantine episode and, and, you know, I named the episode Loner, I thought, you know, we'd get a lot of chuckles there. No one said anything. And I was just like, uh-huh. I was like, man, I thought we killed the name on this, this episode. You know, like. That's true. I, I think we usually do. You, yeah. Yeah. But uh, so that was that was a tangent. But uh, this is a funny one because it was restricted immediately and no one was really sure why. <laughs> yeah. I think, again, this was like a a card that should have never been on the list. This was on the very first restricted list. Yeah. It should have never been there. I think, yeah. I think whatever team at the time decided that these cards, you know, it was discussion, you know, maybe there was a fear of some sort of control decks that would take advantage of just camping in the corner. But like this card has, when it came back, there was uh a lot of people who tried it and a lot of people were like, yeah, this card isn't that good. It's not that good. Uh, the interesting thing is I actually don't think it is a very good control card because if your fighters are too close together, then you can't score it. So you have to have one fighter that's way over there in the corner and the rest of them have to be doing something else. So I've seen it in like uh Despoilers or Molog or I think you could run it in Wild Hunt if you wanted to. Um, Cause maybe the cat's sitting in the back, you know? Um, so I think it's an interesting one where it's basically rewarding you for leaving one fighter that you may not want to use in the back. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't, I can't really think of a strategy that it would have, you know, needed to be restricted. I don't, I mean, I don't think anybody ever played it until it was unrestricted. And then it's like, sees a little bit of play. So poor loner. <laughs> yeah. yeah like I, think, I think it had a lot of big shoes to fill because everyone's like, Oh, this was restricted. Yeah. But when it in reality it it didn't perform i think it's an interesting design space too like i i do too yeah so yeah um speaking of interesting design space i think versatile fighter was a pretty cool one yeah yeah i like this one a lot um it's it's interesting like i think it's pretty good on rothgorn um and he kind of struggles to have some end phase sometimes so i think he likes it um i've seen it on uh far striders um seen it in rippas it's a cool one like I like these kind of cards that force you to do something that you might not want to do. Like a lot of the time, either the ranged attack or the melee attack is suboptimal. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's neat. I think it's a really cool design space and uh, I think it will be missed. I, I agree. I, well, I, I, yeah, I don't know if it'll be miss missed, but it'll, it's certainly one where I'm just like, you were a good card. <laughs> you were a good I guess one. that's what a lot of this is. We're, we're going to pat these cards yeah. on the head and <laughs> send them out. Yeah. To the, <laughs> Well, I guess we're putting them in the closet, probably. <laughs> yeah, we're going to put them on a box and they'll never see the light of day again. Right. Um, unless you play Relic. Sure. Um, which I'd love to see more of that, by the way. Um, it doesn't seem like the community is quite interested, though. I tried. Yeah, I think that it's probably very chaotic and uh, probably hard to like build a deck for. I guess my point is like when people playing Mala get excited about a relic event, then you're just like, eh, no, that's not what I'm interested in at this that's time. Um, so the, so the next, the next one is, uh, is lethal repertoire, which I feel like is a, is a card that 
I didn't even know existed until Beast Grave. I know. I think this card was played one time when Ollie played his Skaven and like won that uh, online clash. And then after that, people realized, oh, this is a card that exists. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it goes really I remember when too. it works exceedingly well with Amber Bones, which is why I think it's a great card yeah. for the time. Um, but again, I was just confused. Like, <laughs> this came out when? This card here. Yeah. But interestingly, I feel like if anyone would have been playing that card, it would have been Skaven because Skaven have been relying on weapons historically. But it's just the six six rule forced some changes, and then that's when you know you have to innovate. And so I think, like you're reaching into that bag, um, you know, and then finding that lethal repertoire was a was a good shout for sure. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. It, it, I think that's what I like about those kind of end phase cards is it has a condition and you have to be able to meet it, and then as long as you do, then you score it. So, it's cool. yeah. Speaking of of conditions singled out, <laughs> um, what do you what do you thoughts here? Because I feel like it, at first it wasn't very good, yeah, um, and then it became like a staple in certain variations of decks. Yeah, I think it was probably better in Night Vault um, with some of the Tome stuff when you're stacking everything on things. Um, I think that Beastscape kind of moved away from that play style, but it was an it was an interesting card that I I think I have played before um i don't know if i'll miss it but uh it was it was a nice one yeah well yeah you're right it, it did a lot with tome strategies so like hrothgorn molog but even like uh you could score with curse breakers because like you're pumping up storm any 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 warbander strategy where you're voltroning a fighter even vortimus liked singled out yeah it was just better when you could have it be one of like two or three end phase cards that was there to kind of pad your um, deck whereas now that you have to have um it's it's like more important now that every single card be able to be scored at any time and i think that's sort of why it's drifted out of play agreed agreed but i think i think out of a lot of the cards we've talked about today single dot is one of those cards where you see a lot but you don't give it a lot you don't pay it a lot of heed yeah um you know where you don't really remember it being impactful Cause it's, it's really not like a crazy card. It's just like, Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's been around for a while since its inception. Yeah. I think it was one of the other cards that came out in echoes. So. Yep. 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 There's a lot, there's a big card dump. Night Vault had a huge card set. It did, yeah. Um, so uh, moving along the, uh, the line here, we've got ping damage. So lethal ward encroaching shadow pit trap thoughts. Yeah. I think that um, basically we're going to take a hit when it comes to the, uh, the ping damage. So that's interesting. We still have collapse, but uh, that's probably the main good one, right? So, yeah, I I really liked these cards because it shut down um, a, a couple of like objective based war bands. Yeah, and uh, you know, running these with Shard Gale was just so fun. <laughs> yeah, um, I really enjoyed it. But, I have some good memories of that uh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 but but being it, it, but I can imagine like your concern when it was done to you. Um, but I also feel like it limited your power deck a lot, so maybe there was some pro cons here. But uh, I think ping damage has been one of the few ways in which we've been able to fight back our oppressive objective lords. Um, <laughs> yeah, and like now there was like with a the, point where like far striders were doing really good with all the ping damage. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was short lived, but it was nice to see that. Yeah. Um, but I'm 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 I am concerned because when these are gone, how are we going to fight? Yeah, for our right <laughs> to glory. I know that was cringeworthy. Um, let's go to Blazing Soul and Regal Vision. I I hate cards like these. I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. You should never, ever, 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 ever design a balanced mechanic and then create cards to circumvent that. So that's all I'm going to say there. Dumb card. <laughs> yeah, I think that, I mean, and, and basically the reason is that Rothgorn and Malag are only balanced because their inspire conditions are sort of hard to do. And then these get around it completely. So um, like when Malag is able to charge onto an objective and his first activation and then play regal vision. Like the game is completely different than it otherwise would be. There's nothing right, you can do to right. stop that either because he just has to have the card in his hand. No, I agree. I agree. I think that, well, the problem, so the problem with a lot of these cards is it's, it's a Molog thing, right? Like you see a lot of these effects exacerbated yeah. by big, boys there's nothing wrong with it strong for, you know, anything else. Yeah. Well, I would disagree that there's there's nothing wrong with it. But That's fair. I, I agree that it wouldn't be as game-defying yeah. as they have. Like, been, even right? Inspiration Strikes, which is better than either of these cards, was much less impactful until Molag came out. Like, it was pretty good on Gerzag or something, you know, but... Right. I just think the Shade Spire meta was so different in that the idea of the way we wanted to play was vastly. I think, I think it, at one point, I think these, these two, these two games are different, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, even the difference um, from shade spired and Nightfall to beast grave, like all three of those are pretty different. Yeah. Do you want to take the next card? I've got someone knocking on my door, so I'm just going to meet myself. Real sure. Quick. Yeah. Um, so the next one is just spells. Um, I think we've mentioned it a little bit earlier. Um, we're going to lose Almost all of the good spells, I would say. Um, I think for me, the cards that I would say were my favorite spells, I think Absoth Unmaking was a favorite spell of mine. I remember playing it. I've played it in Curse Breakers. I've played it in Yotharis. I think I've even played it in Godsworn Hunt. And I've even played it in Wild Hunt. So uh, I, the ability to remove an objective is so strong. Um, it was strong in Nightfall. Um, although objective play wasn't quite as dominant. And uh, I think it's definitely strong now. I think the limitation in general is that most warbands only have one wizard. And so if that wizard dies, then it's not that good. But um, definitely a fan of it. Uh, I think that the, you know, basically all the other spells, I think I think what we're seeing is that magic as a play style um, is just if not going away completely, it's going to be much more limited to a little bit of tech here and there. Um, I don't think there are really even enough spells in beast grave um, for like the 10 spell or eight spell curse breaker deck anymore. So yeah. Or, or even the eyes of the nine ones, right. right Where, right. I, and I think that's, that's a fair point. Like I like in magic at this point with no nightfall cards to be similar to like poison. Yeah. Like you might take one or two, but you're not going to build a deck around it. And even if you did, the payoff isn't worth it. Right. And honestly, I don't mind it. I mean, even from like a, um, like a lore perspective, 
you know, these war bands are supposed to be like traveling through the, you know, nightfall and then into the beast grave. Like it makes sense that they would lose, you know, and they're dying over and over again. So it makes sense that they would like lose some of their, you know, knowledge and knowledge. And yeah, they they probably have, uh, you know, serious concussion issues. (laughs) Well, I think, I think the idea is that, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think I just too many beast grave holes. (laughs) <laughs> you might yeah, when you fall in that many damn lethals, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. you would think you'd learn a thing or two, but they don't. <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting. I uh, I think the, the the reason I think it's really cool that you can make a lore example of why these cards are being rotated out. <laughs> um, I think that's fantastic, but um, uh, the magic stuff for sure is uh, something that yeah. Um, I think I'm sad to see the mechanic a, a mechanic go. Not necessarily any of the cards, but I'm sad to see the fact that magic will be ignored for even even if it's for a brief moment, because I think magic is integral to the world of not only Underworlds, but Age of Sigmar and 40K even Lord of the Rings like magic is integral. It should always be present, whether you're a psyker or a wizard. So I agree. I think that I guess my hope would be that if there are um more war bands that have magic that they maybe have a couple spells that they can use that are, you know, worth using, you know, uh, I don't think wild, like wild hunt have the wizard, but they don't really have any spells you care about. Um, so, well, it, it, there's a, there's a difference, right? Because like Carthane has a decent, like he has a, he's a decent spell or two. Um, the challenge is that he's three wounds. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and the, and he inspires by charging. That's true. But I mean, honestly, you could even like, they could even make another warband that they want to be about magic and just make them pretty good at magic, give them some pretty good magic cards. And then they can be a magic warband, but nobody else has to really worry about it. You know? Yes. Like I think. Sure. It doesn't have to necessarily go away. It just depends on the theme of the, you know, warband or the area that. Yeah. I would, I would like, so I think like one thing that GW does really well is like finding the theme of a, of like a race or, yeah. or a type of soldier and give them like attributes and rules that are unique to their, the way that they function in the realm. But I think it'd be really neat to see more of like, this is a wizard warband. This is an anti magic warband. This is a, yeah. um, a stealthy warband. You know, this is a warband that, um, you know, is trying to reach your side of the board. Like, I think, I think it's cool, you know, like seeing more ways in which they can liken that to whatever models they or miniatures they create and then, you know, combine them, I think would be. Well, and I also think like mechanically from a balance perspective, it's probably easier to balance it because like, if you think about eyes of the nine, if instead of having to use all the powerful universal magic stuff, if they just had like two really good spells and a really good spell upgrade, they would just be pretty good at magic forever. And if curse, you know, had all the, magic to cast but then had less innate tools then that may actually be some sort of balance but by making them all universal like they did in nightfall it made sense because they wanted everybody able to be able to use those tools but it kind of caused a imbalance um like mechanical yeah i think universal cards should always be cards that help supplement and add to warbands but don't dictate the strategy um But as we've seen in in the game, it's always been the universal cards that dictate what cards or what warbands people are playing. Yeah, and then I think, that I think it should be the other way around. like exacerbating the difference in the innate power of the warbands and their cards. So that's interesting. Yeah, like if 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 uh, if eyes have had 
you know, Sorcerer Scouring and Spear of Axia as faction cards. Exactly, yeah. You know, or like even uh, Shortcut as faction cards, then it would have it would have been a, a completely different game. And I think a better one. Um, enough on the magic. Uh, let's talk about. So I think that concludes some of the cards that we want to talk about in a, that are rotating up from Nightbolt. Um, I think we talked about a lot of them actually, almost all of the relevant ones. Uh, and and so I think what would be really cool would be to just kind of talk about maybe some cards or combinations that we think might see more relevance given that Nightfall is now gone or will be gone from what we can assume will rotate out. So um, let us take a look at some of the strategies we've seen that maybe aren't dominating Beast Grave yet, but could. Uh, and I think we'll start with Lost Pages, which is a replacement for the Tome strategy. Yeah, I, I think you've played this one more than I have. Um, do you think that now that Night Vault is gone and we it's not competing with tomes. Do you think that the Lost Pages build is viable or will be more viable in like a pure Beast Grave setting, which I guess we'll probably never actually have, but um, it might be close to that at the beginning of the next season. Yeah, so I think my experience is a little unique in that I tried to run a Lost Pages deck with Carthan in Wild Hunt. Yeah. And I think the practice games went really well, but then when you like play against maybe non-meta stuff is when I saw challenge. Right. Um, so I, I think I think Lost Pages is a viable strategy, but again, you have to have a wizard. Right. And you have to have a wizard that is somewhat survivable. And I think a lot of the cards that helped wizards stay alive or escape are now rotating. Right. Like I think Deathly or Sudden Growth is one of those cards. Um, yeah, Commanding Stride too. Commanding, well, yes, yeah, I didn't get to use that one with Carthane, but yeah, most Wizards. Um, so I think most people who played this it was Guardians and then Curse Breakers. Yeah, the Curse Breakers might this might be the only viable way to play them for a while because they're losing a lot of that magic. Yeah, that's true. That's, I think that's a good point. Because some of the pages are actually pretty good. Like ER's Instant Shield is really good. Um, I guess the Double Storm Sire thing probably doesn't work nearly as well. No. And right now you can run Triple Storm Sire, by the way. But it's <laughs> just... You just can't fit that many upgrades. Yeah. I've tried, so... That's the dream. Um, yeah, that is the dream. <laughs> to have three Storm Sires on the board. And and laugh and glee while your opponent questions their existence. <laughs> but it's hard. It's hard them, to do. Um, be better than the arena Mortis guy. <laughs> but maybe all three of them combined. Uh, maybe that's, maybe have, that's a chat, have a chance. <laughs> have a chance, you know? Um, yeah. But what about combo? I think that's another cool one. I think you've probably played with combo more, or at least looked at those cards more than I have. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I'm wondering if, I want combo to be good. Um, unfortunately, I'm not sure if um, I, don't, I don't think it's better than anything else. I think amber bones um, are much, much better. Um, I think it's possible that in the future, if enough other things are restricted, maybe it'll be, maybe we'll get to a point where, you know, combo is something worth considering. Um, we could also maybe get more, 
things that are better that involve combo. So, um, but as is, I still think that the the Beastgrave set doesn't really um, doesn't make combo attractive enough unless you're playing the Blade Coven. And I, you know, they obviously have a fighter that has combo built in, which makes it, I think, something you could consider. But even then, I don't know if that's the best way to play them. I think you're right in that Amber One weapons have overshadowed yeah. combo. Just, like, I would have loved to see them in two different seasons. Yeah. And, and maybe, and I, I guess, I'm not sure if this is like a, I guess we don't know if this is something that we're never going to see again or if this is just like a core part of the game. I guess I don't think combo's in the rule book. So I guess we don't know. Right, right. I, I don't know. I think, I think maybe you could maybe mess with some combo stuff, but. Yeah. You're right in that Blade Coven and maybe Gits are the only two that can probably mess around with it consistently. I can see you doing like a Molog combo because he doesn't die. So you just put a whole bunch of combo on him. But it's just inefficient because yeah, his, his main attack is just nuts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Um, I was trying to think of if there are any end phase cards that aren't seeing play now, but might see more play, you know, in a pure beast grave um meta i do think that a lot of people are going to struggle to find a replacement for the fired up opening or solid gains that kind of stuff but i'm not really sure there are that many cards in beast grave that like aren't seeing play but are like good enough to see play without them i i feel like the end phase cards for beast grave are almost like entirely useless or like very worth playing (laughs) So the only two that I could come up with were Run Ragged, which is an interesting one where everybody has to on the board has to have moved, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen a couple people play it. I'm not really sure I would play it even now, but in some metas, it might be worthwhile. Like if small warbands are more popular than big warbands, it actually would be pretty viable. Um, and then the other one I thought of was awesome resilience um i actually forget which one that is (laughs) yeah i'm trying to look up uh that card actually on underworld db but i think there was an update that's thrown me off but uh um i think run ragged is really hard to do uh, because your opponent can deny you that um it could probably be something that is like a I think you score once and you never score it again. Yeah, that's true. There are a lot of cards like that where um, like you might only score it once. That's interesting. But I also kind of like like if 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 I know that you have it, you know, what am I going to do? Like am I not going to charge <laughs> with my last fighter? I guess, maybe not, you know. It yeah. was like maybe crushes or something. Like I think you might have to in some situations. So yeah, yeah, I mean, maybe. I think, uh, yeah. And then, yeah. Awesome resilience is if each surviving fighter has no wound tokens, or you healed friendly fighters three or more wound tokens. So you, healing isn't really a thing. So we don't really have to worry about that. But well, it is in Ilthari. Yeah. But- so you could do it if you take the Galligan card that he can heal one person, um, and then she could the, the if the if the uh, if Elfari heals herself twice, I think she does that by 
rolling a crit. Yeah, she'll heal herself. Maybe I'm wrong. And, and I think also, as we mentioned, there's less ping damage in the game right now. Um, I think lethals are annoying for this, but I think there is like I think there are some war bands that can realistically expect to have no wound tokens on any other fighters at the end of the round. And so this might be an end phase card that's at least worth thinking about now that calculated risk is gone. So you're not, you're not giving yourself wounds and, you know, especially thorns, like thorns probably don't have wounds on them most of the time. I don't, I guess they probably have other end phase cards they can use. Cause they just die. The, the chain. Yeah. Runs. Yeah. They'll just die. So like even gets like maybe gets, you know, this is, or just spoilers. This is a scorable card, but there's, there's honestly not that many end phase cards that don't see play that seem like they could see play. That was my experience anyway. Yeah, I think it's interesting that the card named Awesome Resilience can be scored if all your little <laughs> non-resilient fighters just happen to be alive. That's kind of fun. Yeah. So I think it's I think it is a good uh good solution maybe. It's a good uh throw in for gets or something like that. Maybe even Godsworn. Yeah. It's a decent uh, like control card too if that was a viable strategy, but you know, I guess we'll have to see. Yeah, I I do think that if we jump shift to uh, some of the accuracy cards here, uh, I think there's some pretty redundant cards, and I think you've you've actually made some quick examples here, which I really like. Um, do you want to? Sure, yeah. Go I noticed that Blood Scent is a lot like Haymaker. Um, I think right now you just wouldn't play Blood Scent because it requires the opponent to have a wound already, the fighter that you're targeting, but. Um, if you're able to do that, then it's a pretty good alternative. I think there are a few other um, plus dice cards as well. So I think we'll, I don't think we'll have too hard a time replacing Haymaker and those sort of cards. Um, so I think that'll actually be interesting to, you know, just try to figure out what card to put in instead. Um, I also have Blindside for counter charge. Um, I know some people were running both, so that's kind of interesting. Um, so. And then I have lead bone dust for transfixing stare. I don't think it's quite as good, but it's not restricted. And so I like that. I think lead bone dust is an interesting card. Um, and the reason being is because you just get to give that fighter that move token, right. but you have to be adjacent to them. Yeah. And that makes it a little bit weaker than Transfixing Stare, but probably more balanced. And this is kind of offset by the fact that if you are able to get someone Lead Bone Dust on them, then all the attacks that attack them have Ensnare. Yeah, which, you know, depending on the the fighter that you're doing it on, can be really, really good. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's that's more a cool of an accuracy one. bonus I, than it is a transfixing stair replacement i think in that situation and the fighter can still attack you because you're adjacent unless you're able to combine it with pushes and stuff which you know makes it even better well i think the ideal way you play this card is someone attacks you and misses and then you let bone dust them and then you walk away yeah you could use it like that too as long if they if they didn't charge you then you know you may also be able to lock them you'll be locking them up for later so yeah 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 yeah, I wouldn't even mind like setting up a goblin up there, lead bone dusting, um, and then you know just losing the goblin. But you know, do that to Malog, pretty solid. Well, kind of because he has two move tokens, but maybe it could be the second one, right? Well, and I don't think Ensnare really does anything. 
unless he's on guard. Well, it's not. Yeah, it's not the ensnare more so that I'm. I'm focusing more on the. Oh, the move. The move Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I'm focusing more on that than the the ensnare. I think is a is a plus. Yeah, um, another card that I think I am excited by that I hope sees more play. I, I think I just like this card. I don't know if it's actually that good. Uh, is Desperate Flight? Um, I'm wondering if that one will see a little bit more play. I just think that one's a lot of fun. Yeah, I think the scatter mechanic is a little so it, by its nature is unreliable, and I think because of that, a lot of people shy away from the scatter stuff. But right. uh, but I'd probably take it as a replacement to um, commanding stride. Um, I used to take it b- before we had uh, spectral wings back in the gift pack. So um, I thought it was fun then but uh it's just just a, a favorite of mine so i'm i'm hoping i might try to mess around with that a little bit at the beginning of the season so sure well um let's just do one little quick thought on uh what might be viable in beast grave moving forward um again as you mentioned we'll never see a pure beast grave because when diarchasm comes in that's when rat night vault rotates out based on previous years so right. um what do you think might lead the way in the new season um, just give me, just give me one, give me one thing you think yeah. and maybe it's super obvious, maybe not, but, uh, <laughs> that you think will yeah. kind of lead the charge or set the tempo. Sure. No, so I, I think that it's pretty clear that uh, the objective play style is, uh, basically entirely supportable with pure beast grave. Um, I think beast grave changed the way objective play works fundamentally and has given, basically all the tools you need uh, to do it. I think we might miss Fainway a little bit, uh, but that's really about it. Uh, maybe Quickening Greaves. I guess those two. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with your assessment that objective might lead the way. Um, I think I'll stay on brand here by saying like a hunter build for aggro yeah. will, uh, will do probably well um, just because there are less impediments. Yeah, um, I, I think that I think that hunter supported aggro is is viable. You just have to be wild hunt, rippos, or hearthcorn. Yeah, I think Arena Mortis did a really big buff too that we we haven't really talked about much on the podcast just because of timing. But Arena Mortis is nuts um, when it comes to anti-objective play and in, increasing the uh, ability of aggro warbands to further disrupt and kill their opponents. So definitely. Um, yep. And I, I think you'll see a lot of, rippers. Yeah, I don't think we'll really see the true impact of arena mortis or we won't really feel it until the beginning of this season. Like we, we've just had such a small time with it and um, beast grave that I think, you know, dire chasm is when they will be like core cards for us. I know right. I'm also going to play a lot okay. more in dire chasm. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's well, it's tough, right? Global pandemic and all that, and yeah, and then if you even try to say that you're thinking about going to an event, the internet attacks you. So, um, I guess we can talk about that uh, more in the end phase. Um, <laughs> yeah. Did you have any yeah. other um, um, thing you wanted to mention on the play styles? No, no. I think I think uh, in conclusion, you know, Night Vault had its time in the sun. A lot of fond memories for me. A lot of nostalgia, but as always, it's uh, time to move forward and put that stuff behind us. And while I do thank Nightfold for what it did for the game and how much joy it brought me, 
I do understand that it now has to go. And so my hope is that Dire Chasm is Nightfall 2.0. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you on that. Um, All right, well, I guess we can move to the Patreon questions. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Compaq asks, excluding the two new warbands that come in Dire Chasm, what warbands do you think will be the strongest after the rotation? Which warbands will fall in power the most? Your thoughts, Jonathan? I think off the top of my head, I think that Moloch is going to be in for a little bit of a hard time. Um, which I think is great. <laughs> um, no long strider, no burst of speed, um, no tome of offerings. Um, Molog's really going to have to work for it. So that's the biggest one. Because like, I think Molog right now is viable like and really good. I think Molog is borderline broken. Yeah, with, right the, with the gauntlets and stuff from Marina Mortis, um, Vision of Glory... Uh, you know, and then all with that card that gives you benefits for having 10. Yeah, upgrades. exactly. Yeah. That's, it's so dumb how consistently you can get. And, that I mean, he's still going to be able to use all of that stuff, but I think his early reliable glory is going to be a lot lower. So I think he's going to have to rely on kills, um, which I think is good. He's also going to actually have to work to inspire. Like you're going to have to hurt him. And so I think that'll make the viability of the, classic Molog strategy or anti-Molog strategy of avoiding him. It'll make that a little bit more like, like viable. Maybe I think sure. Yes. I just think they should rotate Molog. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Big boys are not good for this game. Uh, I know that uh, our friends over across the pond are uh, from steel city are going to do an episode on that for their podcast. But uh, time and time again, we have, we have, the, the game and the meta and the people have demonstrated that they're not healthy for this game and they skew everything. Um, and so if Moloch sucks for a while or forever, I have no problem with it. Yeah. Because he's just really bad for this game, personally. I'm inclined to agree. Are there any other war bands that stick out to you um, or that you're excited to play in, in this? Any war band, I think, will who who wants to score objectives is still in, in a good spot because a lot of that support is in the Beast, Gra- or the Beast Grave card set um i think an interesting thing about the way this game functions is that every warband is semi-viable at the beginning right because as long as they have decent stats right so like you'll see guard come back up because they have objective play support and then a lot of the tech um why still may be around like they got a lot of cool things in arena mortis but like you'll probably see magoras come back around again because they're just statted overstatted in some cases um anything fast and and like trying to kill you is viable. It's when you start seeing those universals trickle in. That's that difference where, you know, that huge chasm, yeah. especially pun intended like in this situation. Like, you keep talking over all my puns, oh, man. Sorry. It's my second pun today. <laughs> you just completely. Sorry. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, obviously I'm just kidding, but, but seriously, you got to appreciate the puns. Um, I'll try. Uh, but, uh, that chasm between the two, uh, the warbands, you know, it really, really uh, deepens and becomes more dire when uh, when more universals come in. So I agree, it's a it is a dire chasm. Uh, Except my damn puns, Jonathan. <laughs> I think I just want to pretend they don't exist. But <laughs> uh, hey, man, I think uh, if it makes someone smile one time, I'm cool enough. with it. 
Um, <laughs> I think what I was going to say is that, especially when like the cards come out and they're vastly better for some play styles than others. Like if, like in this case, we had a lot of Hunter Quarry stuff that I think left a lot of the older stuff behind because they just couldn't use it. And then same yeah. with the, some of the really good objective stuff. So I think, I, and this is something that I think people have different opinions on. I don't think any of the uh, Beast Gray or any of the Shadespire and Nightbolt stuff will be particularly, you know, they don't gain a lot from the Beast Grave set. The Beast Grave set is, unless they, unless they can do objectives, the Beast Grave set is really all about Hunter and Quarry and then objective play. So I think anything that's good now, either because it has a lot of really good faction cards, like maybe Lady Harrow's, um, or it just you know is able to do objective play or has a lot of Hunter Quarry stuff, I think all that stuff will do really well. And everything, particularly the older stuff, will kind of just continue to not be that great until maybe there's a ton of universals um, that they can use. Or like you said, or the very beginning when, you know, everybody has limited options, but it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. At the same time, I personally don't really mind if, you know, some of the older warbands aren't that viable because I can only play one warband at a time. And there's so many of them that I sort of want to play the newer stuff anyway, most of the time. So it doesn't really bother me. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think, I think we'll just see. Yeah. Um, obviously, the, I, I don't. We haven't seen any stats for the new warbands yet publicly, so we we can just uh, assume that from what the current warbands are. Um, I think even if some warbands get hit or nerfed, uh, I still think like thorns and gits are going to be really doing really. Well. Have great stats. Uh, so yeah, I, and I, but but you know, so uh, I, I think that's pretty simple answers there, but. Like thorns aren't going anywhere, gets aren't going anywhere. Uh, I do think Molog magic and uh, maybe some of the ranged stuff will get worse because I think they are some tools. Yes, but then again, profiteers might do decent because stats. Yeah, that's true. So that's true. Well, you know, so I think I think it really depends, but I think you'll see a lot of variance, high variance in the beginning, and then as the season is formed and shaped and molded by the meta wherever you are you'll see some clear winners and some clear losers i think that makes sense um and i think Mm -hmm. let's go to the next question this one's pretty interesting to me um val asks it'd be interesting to know how many season two cards are still in people's decks that would give an idea of the impact of the rotation i suspect that it actually has that it'll actually be less than we think however i think the impact will be hard to predict if we don't know which universals will be in the dire chasm starter box Everybody thinks the rotation uh, will make magic dead, but it looks like both warbands have a caster, which might mean that there will be some universal spells included. Um, I think that's a great point. I mean, obviously we don't know what the next one will bring. Maybe, you know, for all we know, Diarchasm is the magic, is is just going to have tons of magic. So um, I also think looking at a lot of the recent decks that we've seen, like for the Alberta tournament and things like that, people aren't actually using that many Nightfall cards. Um, there's a few key ones like Tome of Offerings and, you know, Solid Gains and Fired Up. But uh, a lot of a lot of these decks are, like, just all Beast Grave. Yeah. Four or five 
cards, it might be um, from the, the old season, and you get 32, so. At minimum, yes. Um, I think, so I think uh, you're right, but but I also think that Val's question is, is somewhat interesting. Um, and, and so first and foremost, I think there's a difference between magic being dead and being suboptimal, right? Like, I don't think any mechanic in this game is dead. Yeah. They're always, so maybe I'm being nitpicky there, but like magic will, they're always going to be spells. Now, whether the spells can all cohesively gel together to make, you know, with the right warband and with the right objectives to make a deck revolved around magic is different. Like, I think the interesting thing about magic is that when we saw it introduced to the game, it was oppressive, not oppressive, but it was too good. Like, it wasn't like a gradual introduction to magic where it like slowly got better. It was like, boom, here's magic. It's in your face. It's really good. Uh, and then they kept making it better and better and better and better and better. And then they all got nerfed. <laughs> yeah. So for most people, magic is this idea that it's extremely powerful for good reason because of the way that magic was introduced to this game. But, you know, and then because they're not at the, 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 the OP level that curse breakers are, they're like, oh, well, magic's not good. Um, but I think w- what you mentioned earlier and what I think a lot of people would agree with is that curse breakers were too good at magic. They shouldn't have never, they should have never been that powerful in the way of the mystical arts. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then you have these balanced wizards and these balanced spells come out and everyone's like, oh, well this, this means magic's dead. But I don't, I don't know if that's the case. I just think that this is what magic is supposed to be like where there are, there's supposed to be flavor that you throw in because your warband can do certain things, but it's not supposed to dictate your strategy. And then maybe eventually it can. Like, I feel like eyes of the nine should have been more of a magic focused strategy because they worship a chaos God who is the God of magic uh, among many other things, but magic primarily is associated with Zinch and you, you didn't see them have those tools as accessible as maybe Eltharis guardians, which elves and magic still quite an intrinsic pairing. So that makes sense. And then a bunch of magicians from, um, you know, Sigmar's army. So like the lore reasons may maybe make sense, but I don't, I don't think magic will be dead. I just don't think it'll ever be as good as it was in Nightfall. but I don't know if that's a bad thing. Um, because I think we were swolled for choice from the get go. Yeah. I, I actually think that's a really good way to look at it. Yeah. I appreciate that. And, and number two, um, I don't know. So he says, both. it looks like both war bands, which I assume from the dark set look like a caster. I don't think they do. I think they've got one one guy who looks like he's a wizard because he has a staff and an owl. Mm-hmm. But I don't think the Slanesh guys look like a, what do they call the Dread Pageant? I don't think they have a wizard. Doesn't look like they do. Oh. They got a bell they got a belly dancer, they got a bow and arrow dude, they got a chaos lord, and uh a, a slake slash. Right? The uh um. His name was spoiled on the card, the the big Slangor. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I guess I, I don't I have them in front of me, so I, I don't remember if one of them... I imagine one of them would have needed to have a wizard level. So Yeah, and, and we didn't... Well, we didn't see... I think we saw their fighter cards and none of them had a wizard level uh, in the trailer. Um, I'm sure I can look back at some of the zoom-ins on the internet, yeah. but... I honestly um, don't recall. I, I, I think magic will be always there. And I think it will be relevant. I would hope so. But there will be, but I think there'll be moments that like right now where it's not too relevant, but yeah. that's okay. I agree. Because there are other mechanics at the forefront, like Hunter Corey. 
Yeah. And I mean, I right. think that's what makes the game interesting too. So, I mean, I, I, I mean, I wouldn't want curse breakers to be like top tier forever. So anyway. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. You want to get the next one? Beard arm asks, do you think the season will come up with any new keywords in the vein of Hunter Quarry spellcaster or leader? Hmm. That's interesting. Um, I think it's possible. Um, I would imagine there's a limit to how many can be added before it stops making sense. But I guess if it's a seasonal thing, maybe uh, they could. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think eventually they will. Yeah. There's just, there's just so much design space. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to happen immediately. Cause I still think like season three, so like season one and two were in, the city of Shadespire and the catacombs beneath. And then how season three was the area on the mountain and around the mountain. And then in dire chasm, we are now delving into the mountain or rather deeper into the mountain. Um, I still think a lot of those season mechanics and realm mechanics will stay. So I don't think we'll see it. Yeah. In dire chasm. If we did, my hope would be that um, it's not like Hunter and quarry or even really wizard where, you know, cause I feel like those mechanics keep out a lot of war bands that didn't have those mechanics in a way that I didn't really like, but I don't really know if there's a, I don't really know what the best way to do that would be. Yeah. I mean, unless they do like super hunter, and super <laughs> I don't think, I don't see it, yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm sure there's, I think every season has brought a new mechanic. So we'll see something. Yeah. Um, whether that keyword is in the vein of hunter quarry spellcaster or leader. I don't think so. Whether it's in the vein of some other type of yeah. keyword, I'm sure we'll see something. Yeah, makes sense. Um, the next question is from Call WG. They ask, "What is GW waiting for to publish a new far list? Do you think that we will see one before Dire Chasm?" Hmm. Um, if it's not out by this point, <laughs> yeah, I don't think we'll see one till Dire Chasm, which is very similar to the way that Night Vault came mm-hmm. out. Um, and I think there may have been one with the Beast Grave release as well. Uh, yeah, we, we actually but, did get like a final one for Nightfall right after Power Unbound. And then that was where the, all the final tournaments were and everything. Um, but there's no tournament, yeah, right? No, so when, when, yeah, when, there's not. When Cole asks, what's he waiting for? What is GW waiting for? What you know? I think the answer is they're not. They're not waiting. They just, there's no need. Right. Um, you know, like they dropped one in the middle of the summer i think because there was some oppression mm-hmm. uh from an unintended style of play um but like there's no events and so competitive play is dictated by events yeah. and so while i think it's really important to so like i would say that i'm more liberal when it comes to the far list like i would rather see changes happen quick and fast and then maybe be taken like retreat a step back or later but I know a lot of players out there are very conservative when it comes to the far list because they are like, well, let's wait for events and like, why are they restricted when there's no event coming out or it's only been one event and we just got these cards and yada, yada, yada. And it's like, well, okay, that's fine. Um, but if you, if you like, you know, and, and every, any time, any card, anytime a card hits a list, there's always a divisive reaction, whether a majority of it is positive or negative, there's always going to be people who like it and don't like it. So, so why, why, why have that conversation when you just don't need it's, there's no competitive events. If you want to run your own, great, but have fun with the cards. Yeah. Um, so I think 
I think there's no relevant news until Dire Chasm. So I think we'll see on Dire Yeah, I, I guess my hope at this point would be that when Dire Chasm comes out, we get a list as soon as possible. And then we can just, you know, have a, as balanced of a start to the season as possible. Otherwise, I would have wanted it like three weeks ago. <laughs> you know? Oh, I would have wanted one before Alberta. Yeah, that's true. Yep. You know, so yeah, but I mean, that would have been based on very little data. I mean, I think everyone knows that like hidden purpose needs to be restricted, but you know, other than that, you know, so well, I just think sometimes some cards are yeah. common sense, yeah. and like I said, I'd love to see like six, seven far list updates a year rather than yeah. three or four, yeah. And, right, and I think so, I think that would be generally the best way to do it, um, or even just like have a list quickly with the obvious stuff and then. You know, like term of offerings, like no one needed to think about that for more than a couple of minutes, you know, <laughs> do a tiny one where that gets hit and then let us let people figure it out, you know? So, yeah. But. Um, I think he had a second part to his question. Yeah. Um, it says also with a few weeks of play data or play slash data, what are your top three cards from Arena Mortis? Uh, okay. So for me, Gauntlet of Dominance. I think it's the, yeah. the full name. That card the is one insane. That the enemy fighter. Yeah, that card yeah. is nutty. Um, I think tied defense is super yeah. good. I think it combos really well with uh, substance siphon. Yeah, that's true. Um, and then probably vision of glory, right? I'm trying to think what. So I think vision of glory is actually kind of balanced. Like I'm sure we'll see it restricted because it's signed silly with some people, but. I don't think Vision of Glory is that how you think you would make a deck without it? That's a good question. Um I would say that I wouldn't make a deck without Faneway Crystal or Potion of Rage either. Oh, that's true. Uh, yeah. You know, but it doesn't mean that I think they're broken. Oh, um, yeah, I guess I would just I would consider it in my top 3, so just curious. Yeah, I mean, I can't think of a third one. <laughs> Um, so sure, let's do it. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think that I was, uh, underrating how powerful the gauntlets were. Um, I think that the push is very powerful. And then also the combined effect of having multiple of them and getting the, you know, plus strength and plus fortitude, like they're so good. And, uh, it took me, I think actually seeing them in play to, to really realize how good that is. Yeah. Um, all right. I think that is it for the questions. Um, that's going to be it for this episode. If you are a Patreon supporter, be sure to check out the exclusive end phase episode on Patreon, where we'll talk about our beast grave season recap and our hopes and dreams for season four. Uh, once again, thank you to our Patreon supporters. If you'd like to join the Patreon, you can at patreon.com slash past the glory. If you have any feedback, questions, or comments, let us know on Facebook, Twitter, or Discord at Path to Glory Podcast. Please rate and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get the podcast. And as always, thanks for listening, and we wish you the best of luck on your Path to Glory. Bring on the dire chasm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah.